Welcome to the second ever week of the Hard Tag Podcast with Tom Bell Chambers, Cal Hooker, and my name's Jack Post. And we're so lucky that the first hard tag we get to put on a player is uh, ex-captain Joe Watson. Yes, you are fortunate. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm a little disappointed it's taken until episode two to get me on, but I understand that uh, I'm not. No, I'm no longer at the top of the tree, the hierarchy tree, but thank you anyway. Well, episode one, we honestly didn't even know if it was going to air because the club gave us no indication that they wanted us to do it. We just sort of said, we'll come in and do a pilot. But they put it out during the weekend. We, we were um, overwhelmed with the response we got as well. So thanks to everybody who listened and shared it uh, on Facebook and uh, social media. But Job, thanks for coming in. No, no, I, I know that uh, the the ten people that um, came and spoke to me about it, how good it was. So your audience is an extraordinary, boys. Well done. What's the vibe around the club? This captivating, week? captivating amongst the hall room. Uh, the there was talk, a lot the of locker talk. room. There was a lot of talk in the showers, in the spa. You know, there were, all anyone could talk about was hard tag and who was next on hard tag. You're very fortunate to be on here. A lot of boys wanted to come on, so. We picked you. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think you probably, uh, if if everything's uh, looking back over the things, you're probably in front, so I'm glad that uh, you're doing something for, nice for me. Well, the indication that the club gave to me when I when we came up with the podcast that um, Tom and Kale are very well respected around the club. Is that fair to say? Uh, well, I think that um, given their height, they're probably people respect them because of their <laughs> physical nature, <laughs> their stature it demands respect. <laughs> their behaviour is probably something else. <laughs> Would that be accurate, you two? Ten years in the football club, and that's what you that's how you respect us. <laughs> this weekend, Joe, you've announced your retirement, obviously, for the end of this year. So it makes this weekend's game a little bit strange in the fact that it's not guaranteed that we'll play finals beyond next week. How does it feel coming up to a game where you're not really sure if it's going to be your last appearance or not? I guess there's a little bit of um, sadness attached to be the last home game that I play in front of uh, the Essendon supporters. So um, it'll be exciting and a bit of sadness, but... Uh, I think my um, my two nieces are going to come out with me, uh, which will be really exciting for them and exciting for me. And a lot of friends and family are going to be there. So uh, we know what we have to do. We, we pretty much control our own destiny. And if we if we play well and win, then um, it'd be fantastic to have a finals campaign. But um, it'll also really be really nice to say goodbye to the uh, to a home crowd and and a home game and and thank everyone for their support. Yeah, um, we're really looking forward to it. I did a little bit of. Um, calculations and even if we lose on Sunday there's a slim slim possibility (laughs) if a couple of other teams lose that we can make it through but uh best win I think to guarantee us that finals experience um how was your experience different to other players coming into the club do you think because your father played obviously for Essendon and you spent a lot of time around the club you had a different experience to a lot of other players yeah, I probably, uh, I guess the the club was sort of a, a lot of it was at my upbringing and uh, being there and things that were normalised to me are probably different to other, other people growing up and being in the rooms and being at the footy club and knowing the players and, and knowing the staff. So I, I remember when I first arrived, you know, there was a lot of familiarity about returning back to the club, which mm-hmm. is probably different for um, a lot of after, other draftees. Um, but it was just as nervous as what everyone else is when you first arrive at a footy club. There's a lot of trepidation and people are, uh, I guess, a little bit uh, unsure about their, their role and especially when you're 17 and you, you still look up to all those guys that you first um, become teammates with. So I was just as scared as what um, 
any sort of first draftees. It's just that it was probably more familiar for me. Yeah, right. And Tom and Cal, how can you compare it to your own experiences? We didn't talk last week about your first days at the club, but how did you find it coming to Essendon for the first time? Yeah, I actually found it really daunting. Um, came over from Tasmania. I didn't get drafted in the initial draft. So I came over and did a bit of training with the, uh, with the football club. For about, I was meant to train with them for a week and they sent me home after two days and they didn't say anything to me. So I thought, oh no, that didn't go well. Sent you home as in back they to Tassie? Tass- yeah, back to Tassie after two days. And I, I didn't know it at the time, but they'd already made up their mind that they were going to take me in the preseason draft. Um, and I went back to Tassie, didn't hear anything from them for about a couple of weeks. And then I got taken in the preseason draft. So I thought, oh, it was a bit of a surprise to me. And then, um, yeah, came over and Started training with the guys. I start. I lived with two other players um, early days, which was which was good for me. I think. Um, Who were they? Uh, I lived with Sam Lonigan and Andy Lee. Not yep. no longer at the football club, but you know, great guys, both Tassie boys as well. So I had that connection there, and then we had a really strong uh, draft that year. Obviously, Hooksy was that draft. Tate Pears, Dave Myers. Uh, we had some really good players, good young players, and that uh, that probably made the transition a bit easier for me as well. Yeah, I came obviously over from Perth and. I had no idea about the history of the club and that sort of thing, so I was pretty impressed by that. And I wasn't spoon fed like uh, Joe was as much <laughs> growing up, so I had that sort of harder thing. And sort I of actually didn't know own. who Kale was until <laughs> after his third year. <laughs> we roomed together on a footy trip, and then when I first met him, I had to juice myself when we were getting the keys from the reception desk in Thailand. <laughs> that was the first time he said hi to me. <laughs> Is there a bit of general hazing to younger players like that where? you have to appear a bit more intimidating than you might, might otherwise be? Uh, I think you have a little bit of fun with it, um, especially if there's, there's a young guy who's a little bit ahead of himself or he's got, um, uh, yeah, he's just he's got a little bit of a big head, then um, normally it, it's not so much on uh, in the locker room or anything like that. It's on the field, uh, you know, in drills or something uh, that you get. Um, you soon put them back in their place. Yeah, right. they get knocked, okay. knocked around a little bit, but... Um, one of the things that uh, is always really fun was the, the footy trips and the being able to b- bond with young guys. You don't you spend a lot of time with them in a work environment at, at the club, but you've got guys who are thirty with families and, and an eighteen year old. There's not a lot of social interaction during the year, but then that opportunity to get to know each other actually is really worthwhile for for bonding. So, how would you bring? How would you cut down, with one of a better term, a young player? Let's use Andrew McGrath, for example, because he's the first number one pick that the club's had. How do you just make sure that he doesn't get ahead of himself? I was going to say line him up in a drill, but I couldn't catch him. So <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that's no good for me. <laughs> Luckily, you don't need to with Andy because he's uh, he's an absolute A-grade citizen. But uh, I guess if, if it got to, to a stage where you felt like you needed to, then there's the leadership group or there's some uh, guys are pretty good at giving feedback. So they're things get knocked on the head pretty quickly. There's not a lot of um, schoolyard sort of whispering behind the sheds or things like that. If someone doesn't like something, uh, it's a, a competitive environment and there's a lot of testosterone. Things normally get said or done. So it, you find that um, things don't sort of fester away for a long period of time. Do you guys, any of you remember a specific talking to you got early days at the club? I think I think with us coming in, you got taught how to be professional and to stop drinking so much beer and to eat properly and that sort of thing. Where these days it's the other way around. The, the kids are so strict on their diet and so professional. You're saying come out and have a beer and loosen up a bit and have some fun. So times have certainly changed. But I got a couple of talkings to early, early days. Uh, I remember getting I remember getting one and the leadership group was in the room and. Um, 
Were you, Joe, were you part of the leadership group? I was group? part of the leadership yeah. group. And the, the problem that the, the Thomas and his other uh, rat bags had made is they didn't get their story straight. So we separated <laughs> they, them. They hit us like early up in the day, like <laughs> first thing in the morning. So what happened? What did you do wrong? Oh, I think we'd been out on the weekend and right. it was a, a six-day break. and One of the players was injured. One who, of the players was which injured. Which was not allowed to which drink. Which was obviously not allowed to drink. And then... Um, I didn't know that. Is that a known yeah. rule across all clubs, pretty much? Pretty much. I reckon it's pretty universal. Right. So, anyway. Is it, is, does it hamper the... Recovery. Recovery. Yeah, yeah definitely. There you go. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, obviously, we didn't get our story straight enough in the in the morning. We didn't have enough time. So, <laughs> we got put in... We got one, 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 by, one by one, we got put in front of the leadership group and the coaching group, and they tore shreds off us and... I think um, I wasn't the one to crack, but I think a couple of blokes cracked and they gave in and, and they gave away the full story and who well, was Well, that's there. always worse from you then if everybody else has well, caved in you... and you said, ah, oh, we did nothing wrong and us, well, we're we by played, the other boys. We play a team game. I thought, <laughs> yeah. you know, was, some blokes are in it for themselves though. Yeah, it was very funny on the other side because you'd hear one person's story, then the next person would come in and a different story and then the eyes would start darting from side to side and the palms would get sweaty and eventually they'd just crack and they'd just be this volcano of information. <laughs> so in, in in the leadership group, is it um, you're mad or is it more we're really disappointed with you? Yeah, it's a bit of the parent one where yeah. you're not so mad, you're just disappointed. Because uh, they've, they've been there themselves at times. Yes. So, yeah. you know, it's, Everyone goes through it exactly. and it's just part of growing up. I had a look at your Twitter uh, mm. last night and I love infrequent Twitter users. <laughs> I'm one myself. But <laughs> not overly active. Yeah, not very active. So you put up two or three posts a year and, and it makes it seem like you've really thought about those posts and really wanted to get them up. Can you remember the two you've, the only two posts you've done this year on your Twitter account? I, uh, well, I did one with uh, my dog to, to, with the, the boots. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think that might have been the end of last year. That was the end of last you year. You made a spelling error. <laughs> I made a spelling error. It was supposed to be hey, mate, and I wrote he, mate. <laughs> so obviously a lot of thought went into that. Actually, uh, one of them that was made this year was not by, done by me at all. Uh, I uh, left my phone open in my uh, which in, the, in the locker do. room, you which is a no-no. Right. And I came back and someone had posted the video of um, Scott Gumbleton, my housemate, next teammate, taking a hanger for Banyul. Right, so that wasn't you that posted that? That wasn't me who posted it. <laughs> oh, because that gives us the indication as just a, a fan um, following along that Joe Watson is still like looking out for the players that used to be at the club and look at this, he's just taking the time out of his day to show us Scott Gumbledon taking a mark at suburban footy. Completely false. Well, I mean, and, and people who know me know that, that couldn't be further of the truth. <laughs> Absolutely no interest. So I went on a witch's hunt trying to find out and eventually I found the weak link and Michael Hurley came up to me and said, I have to confess something. I have to apologise. It was me. I'm sorry. So you know need to delete it then? You just keep it up there. Yeah. Yep. I don't know what the other um, The other one was, was more recent than Scott Gumbleton taking a specky. Uh, a re- recommendation for the Freakonomics radio podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah, that uh, please, actually... Please explain. Uh, Ted Richards, <laughs> a friend of mine, he uh, passed that on and uh, he wanted me to... He's involved in... Uh, 
it's a, a business that's um, six park with sort of investing and things like that. So he asked me to retweet it for him. No plugs on this show, man. Sorry, I didn't, didn't realise. Oh, was that there, it was the particular episode? <laughs> yes, it was about, about exchange. It, oh, it's about exchange trader funds and um, indexes and things like that, which is what his company works in. All oh, right, because yes. I thought you might be a podcast guy, and I was going to ask you. Oh, for I do some like more. a podcast. Yeah, give us I'm some a big, recommendations. Uh, I'm a big uh, true crime uh, fan, and Very so ca- case file. Case file is done by an Australian guy, actually. Uh, case file, true crime. Have you heard Trace? Uh, no, but it's very similar to Trace. I've been told about it. That yeah, I that's have to a Melbourne-based one. Very, yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, I, I had the feeling that Kale and Tom had never heard a podcast before we started this <laughs> show. I must admit, I was a... Uh, I, had to go home, I had to go home and Google it and just make sure you know, what I was in for. <laughs> oh, Hooksy, Hooksy's a bit coy. He, he would know what... No, it's not. You know all about it. <laughs> all right. Uh, I forgot to even play a siren. We last week we cut it, cut this episode into four parts, and I forgot to play the first one. But I think that will uh, close this quarter. And for the second quarter, I think these guys have got um, some tricky curly questions to throw. <laughs> some hard hitting. Well, thankfully I'll have a right of reply, which would be good. <laughs> well, you've you've sort of led us into this with uh, what you've revealed about yourself already, and that's about knowing your teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> obviously, lots of players come through the club over the years, so it is hard to keep track of all of them. Uh, you're a busy man. Um, you're out of the game, obviously, so we just wanted to have a couple of questions uh, and just see what, how much you do know about your teammates. <laughs> this, is, this is not fair. <laughs> well, the, the, the first question is, what of your teammates playing number is number 17, number 31, and number 37? Yeah, 15 seconds to answer Jump the question. Jumping numbers. Uh, 17, 31, and 37. We can edit out long pauses if you uh, like. James Stewart, <laughs> yep. 17. There's no 31. Uh, what were the other two? 37. Is he right about that? There's no He's 31? He's good so far. He's good. Uh, uh, Dylan Clark. You've nailed it. Very You've good. nailed it. You've nailed it. I was worried about <laughs> that though. <laughs> so are we. <laughs> Is there more pressure on you when you are captain to know more about the club and this year when you're not captain anymore, you can, you don't have to care as much? You would think, you would think so. <laughs> from, the, from the outside looking in, you would think so. I could only use my behaviour as an example to answer that question. <laughs> now, we've spoken briefly about the young boys. Yes. There's a clubhouse in Essendon. Right. Yep. Which of the young boys live in this clubhouse? Um, Can I first ask what that means? A What's clubhouse it? is basically uh, a share house a of share club house. players. Yeah, right. Of players. How many players have to be in a clubhouse before it becomes a clubhouse? <laughs> That's a good There's, question. Like, is it just the two of you sharing a house? Was that a clubhouse? No, well, I, the club organised the club organised it basically. So it's a it's a group of the younger players. In and this, they'll, in they'll this put a mentor. They'll put a mentor in, like a guy from the fitness department, or to teach the players how to live and how to cook and right. How to and school he lives them with them the whole time. So they'll yeah, he lives with them and right. schools them up a bit. In this, not to be confused with the Dallas Cowboys of the early nineties White House that they used to have. <laughs> in this particular house. There's four players. Can it's um, Aaron Francis. Correct. Uh, Kobe Much. Correct. Sam Draper and uh, Alex Morgan. Oh, he's good. Very and is good. the clubhouse in Essendon or is it somewhere else? It's in the northern suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> and who's the official who has to take care of the four of them? Uh uh, there's, there's, there's been no solid message. He's good. Which of your teammates grew up in Mount Barker, which is about an hour and a half out of Adelaide? Uh, <laughs> 10 seconds. Mason Redmond? 
<laughs> Incorrect. I just made that up. There's, there's no one that grew up in Mount Barker. <laughs> my, cousin get, my, my cousin's lived in Mount Barker for a while. Trick question. Where to get you on something? Yeah, that, that's fair enough. We do want to know about your uh, pregame routine the day before the games. You like to come in and impress the boys. You lived in New York for oh, a yes. period of time, so you obviously learned the New York fashion. And are we going to see something special this week for the farewell game? Self-proclaimed fashionista. Yeah. Well, I used to get a lot of negative feedback about my outfits that I wore, so I decided to change uh, tact, and I would come with a best-dressed outfit each week the day before the game. So each week I come and I do a bit of preparation in this and I try and uh, dress smartly just to raise the standards because I'm sick of people walking around in tracksuit pants and thongs and <laughs> Nothing wrong with all, pants, all that. I'm running a bear at the moment. <laughs> so I thought like, let's let's make ourselves look a little bit dapper and I'll start it and hopefully the trend will catch on. It's yet to, do, it's yet to catch on. But <laughs> How long have you been doing it for? Well, it's been every round since the start of the season. So <laughs> I get a lot of is feedback. That, but no 20 one's... attempts. And how well-dressed is well-dressed? I'm yet to rock a suit, but I don't know. It might be something that I'll do at the end, Ooh. maybe a dinner suit or something like that. <laughs> the final one, but I've, I make an effort to, you know, like a, a coat or a jacket, and and it is a talking point when I arrive. I, I, I normally get the the thumbs up or the thumbs down, and oh, it's a like a catwalk. Yeah, there's a little fight. bit of there's some judging going on. Yeah. It is good fun. It does get the boys going in the morning. Is that yeah. because the day before the game you don't have to train? And that's no. why you rock up in the Sunday best. No, I, I just thought it was just a, a fun thing to do. <laughs> so you still didn't get changed into your kit. Yeah, go, go, out. go out and train, but yeah. I just thought I'll have a little bit of fun with it, given that uh, I've got a undeserved reputation of being an ordinary dresser. Well, this week is, is a... Um... <laughs> As you said before, behaviours speak louder. <laughs> As a homage to you, the players should all dress in their best. The, that is an that excellent idea. That is an excellent idea. I think we, we should we'll, do something along we'll those lines. We'll, you guys... save, we'll save that for Mad Monday. Right? <laughs> you have respect around the club. Can't you get everybody dressing really nice on Saturday? Well, this week, apparently, Job's got his own faces coming out. I think 10,000 faces are going to be at the ground, so maybe everyone can dress like Joe Watson. They passed me those, actually. So the club passed these on. These are masks that will be oh, very nice. had on, uh, on Sunday. Do you know how people get them? I guess they just get them as they come I in the door. Don't know. I think they just give them more. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, a, that is a good-looking Joe Watson, though. I've seen it. I've seen I, a Joe Watson. That's a good-looking version. <laughs> I must admit, I think there might have been a bit of teeth whitening on the photo. <laughs> so there's going to be... There's an Instagram filter on that, I reckon. <laughs> so there's going to be thousands of these Joe face masks on Sunday at Etihad. Won't that be wonderful to look into the crowd and <laughs> see myself everywhere? Like, if anything's going to throw you off, that's going to throw you off. A bit of being Joel Malkovich about. <laughs> Club Hub Gate 2 and 5 uh, at Hetty Had on Sunday. People can grab the Job mask, but I tend to agree with you. It's going to be a weird thing to look out and uh, yeah. especially like imagine kicking for goal and then <laughs> all you see is a little hundred mirrors of yourself. <laughs> oh, dear. Wonderful from the marketing team. Thank you. It's <laughs> a thought that counts. Brilliant. We asked uh, overnight for some questions on Facebook and um, sure. and Instagram. We only grabbed a couple, but um, there are a couple of good ones, so I thought I'd read them out to you now and see what you think. Okay. Tim Tim Williams asks... <laughs> Tim Watson asks. <laughs> well, it's about Tim Watson. Tim Williams asks, both in your primes, would you be able to outplay your father? Uh, I don't think so. I think that uh, 
he might have had me just for a yard or two of pace. He was pretty quick, the old man. What about if I was rucking? Oh, maybe if Thomas was feeding <laughs> down down my throat, it might be able to get a get an early touch in. But I don't know if uh, over the twenty or thirty, I'm going to be able to keep up with him. Can midfielders suck up to rucks to get more taps their way? Yeah, it's Can a little you, bit like do you the, play favourites. Yeah, it's a bit like the quarterbacks do with the offensive linemen. We we just sort of uh, take him out for dinner. No, it's not like that. I was about to say. I think they uh, they buy them Rolexes and cars and that kind of thing. So it's definitely not like that. We've got a bit to go there. There's a little bit of difference between the wages between the quarterbacks and the AFL footballers. True. Simon Gleeson asks, "What's your honest opinion of Kale Hooker's man bun?" Well, it's nice of Marty's Ooh. dad to ask about <laughs> this question. Is that, Mar- is that Marty Gleeson's <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say, you do know players after all if you can name everybody's parents. I actually wouldn't mind asking uh, Hooksy about uh, in regards to your man, Mum, because uh, what, it, what I think it does do is it. Uh, people can associate Kale with something. So it's, it's easy for fans to associate Kale with something. So, Joey, are you a little bit dirty that you didn't get the nab Oz kicker on the ad? Because Joey oh, Joey got yes. it. But I thought if it was, there was a ponytail, very good it was question. very easy for people Great. to know very it's Kale good. Hooker. I wouldn't say dirty. I'd say surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Because actually, for those ads, they obviously look for iconic-looking players. Exactly. So, the man bum would have been... Great. Very the, easy. The, the rocking the beard, the man yeah, bun. Some feedback for next one. <laughs> I, I wonder how close you got to it. They would have done a short list and then, yeah. you know, it might have been at one stage you up against Joe Danaher and then uh, they've they've pushed you out. But they, I didn't know who Joe Danaher was in that ad when I saw it uh, for the first time. Uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really? know if it was me, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I would, if it was a man bun, I would have known. Well, I reckon Hep might be a bit dirty. Yeah, yeah, I hep, thought that was the be, only reason he was fun. keeping the dreadlocks, <laughs> was to get fun. on the NAB ad. That's a good point. Someone oh, showed us a photo. Oh, there we go. <laughs> looks, that looks nothing like me. <laughs> so is that really, is that really from the ad? Does he think you've got ready? Just hasn't made the is final. Is you, Basil? Why do you? The social media guy from Essendon is just showing us a photo that apparently there was a young Kale Hooker, but he hasn't made the final cut of the ad. Can we put that up on uh, Instagram and Facebook and, over the week? And it looks a lot like the social media guy at Essendon. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, he, feel, he feels that Kale's got a red beard as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Melanie Kelly, what is the bra- best prank you've ever done or received on a, from a fellow teammate? Um, well, one stands out for me is, uh, and it was in response to a prank done to me. So uh, Angus Monfries, who was at the club for a period of time, he, uh, I moved into a new house and I kept ordering the Foxtel man to come out to hook, <laughs> hook up the Foxtel. And he kept on ringing up, pretending it was me and cancelling it. <laughs> Went on for about two weeks and eventually I found out it was him and I was really dirty on him. So uh, You could argue that that actually interrupted your skill on the field because you weren't able to watch any non-free-to-air games <laughs> and learn more about your opposition. <laughs> Correct. As a student of the game. Yeah, exactly. That, that would have been a, a, a fair point. How much uh, footy do you guys watch just of uh, other games over the weekend? Uh, bits and pieces, yeah. It just, just depends on what day you're playing and when, when the, the games are and what you're doing on the weekend. But... Generally, I mean, if you're playing on a Saturday, you're pretty sore on a Sunday, so you're not really doing a hell of a lot, and you always like to watch the team that you're playing the next week, so that, that's sort of me. Yeah, I'm normally the night before game. Like, if we're playing on a Saturday, I watch a Friday night game. To remind yourself of the rules, etc. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just to pick up on what the umpires are doing that round in there. But, yeah, that's about it. I'm probably one, max two games a week. Is there anybody at the club who doesn't watch any games? 
Uh, no, I think most guys would most watch some do. form of footy. Yeah. When we get a lot of vision sent to us about the upcoming opposition as well. So there's, there's opportunities to watch clips. Georgie Dennis, <laughs> will you ever open a cafe in Melbourne? Of course, you've got the cafe in New York that you plan to go to after your retirement. You, yep. Will you head back over there? Holding the wall. Will we ever see one in Melbourne? Uh, that might, might be a good little opportunity for me to do. I think that could be part of the growth, to get behind the machine over here and, and open one. It's pretty competitive here. The standard's pretty high. So uh, I'd like to do something maybe with the family at, at some point down the road. All my sister's uh, sort of in hospitality or um, love food and, and something like that would be nice. Tell us a little bit about New York, actually. I know you've spoken about it a lot uh, over the past couple of weeks, but when do you plan to go? How long are you going to stay there for? Yeah, I've got, I'll have got. i head off uh, mid-October. My girlfriend finishes exams uh, then, and then we'll go. Um, pro- I'll probably go for about seven or eight weeks uh, to New York, and then I'll, I'll be back. She's got to finish her undergrad in 2018 back here. So she actually sort of moved halfway around the world to come and finish her study for me. And I think the least I can do is stay here while she completes it rather than heading back over. So I will be, I'll be here for most of uh, next year as well, traveling to and fro from New York, but um, predominantly here. You guys have a dog together? Is that? Uh, we've got, um, that's a bit of a sore point at the moment. The dogs, uh, my, my, I've got a bulldog and uh, he's uh, just had an ACL operation. So he's in a, a fair bit of pain. So I'm looking after him and, is that ironic for a dog to have such a footballing Football injury? <laughs> injury. <laughs> when you, I think if you looked at him, you'd probably see the stress he's putting on his uh, <laughs> on his ACLs and ligaments. Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> All right, last one from uh, people sending in questions on Facebook, and thanks to everybody who did. Will there be any special deal on coffee at Hole in the Wall for Essendon members? Yes, I'll make sure that there is. I'll uh, I'll be. Um, I'll make sure that my next Twitter post will be me working behind the machine in Hole in the Wall for people uh, who follow me on social media. And that could be any time from now to the next three years. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The game on the weekend, congratulations to the Essendon Footy Club for defeating Gold Coast 90-57 to at Metricon Stadium. Uh, Pretty comfortable win in the end. Although, how do you guys feel about that term, a comfortable win? I mean, you probably still put a lot of effort in. Yeah, that, People call it. it a comfortable win. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's never easy to win. And sometimes, you, as you said, you've got to put the same effort in at the start. And sometimes you feel like you want to be on top, but it takes longer and longer just to get on top of the game. And it can take a while to actually crack the opposition. And Gold Coast started pretty well. They kicked the first couple of goals. And then I think the fridge was on fire, Josh Begley. Uh, kicked a few goals and got us going, and then it was a bit of an arm wrestle, and we managed to come away in the third quarter and sort of get a bit of a break and then finish it off in the last quarter. You guys both played fantastic games, Tom and Kale, on the weekend. Do players have any awareness of their AFL fantasy scores after a game? No, I've never done, I've never done fantasy. I'm not one for I'm not one I'm not one for lying through their teeth. You just it's the just, first and just, only thing they care about. You just sit out of this segment. Mate. Thank you. No, I, I've never done fantasy football or anything like that. So no, I'm not aware. There are Kale, a few I'm people sure. who look up at the scoreboard to see their stats, but I'm not one of those blokes. Yeah, right. I'm Be- not a big statistician, so I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't look because it's becoming. I feel like year on year the fantasy score gets a bigger headline um, in this stats book and, you know, what people talk about. So I wondered if that was filtering through the club. Um, As a big fantasy footballer, I, uh, you know, I'm very aware of it, but I wondered, um, uh, would you guys even know your fantasy scores from the weekend? Couldn't tell you. I wouldn't know that.
Job, do you think they know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the the younger the the younger guys, they're all over it. That's all they care about. The younger guys, they yes. know their score at halftime. The younger boys, they do. It's true. They so, do. is there any worry then that people start to favour their fantasy score other than playing a team game? I think you'd hope that surely, <laughs> that, that is, surely, surely not. that's not possible. But <laughs> it is something we we do talk about. And I'm sure all teams do is that kicks and handballs and those sort of score scoring mechanisms aren't the priority. It's the team stuff and. The, your role can be pretty complex for the team, so it's about focusing on your role, and we make sure internally we reward all that sort of stuff, all the acts that are the team acts, and uh, we try and make sure we're a good team rather than a good fantasy team. <laughs> Joe, uh, where did you watch the game on Saturday? Where did you watch the game? Uh, I was at home. I was nursing Benson, who I picked up from his surgery. Um, he was on the couch next to me, and uh, I was in between... Um, putting a cold towel on his forehead and watching the game. So I was sort of I running around. you were going to say you're in between Game of Thrones and the game. <laughs> well, I am looking forward to going home and watching it tonight. Is he uh, got his leg elevated and all the stuff? Yeah, we, 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 we did a strict ricer, um, which is rest ice elevation compression <laughs> after the uh, referral, after the surgery. And um, he's uh, on the mend, actually. He's starting to look a little bit more sprightly, so which is nice. Are you a, do you talk out loud to the TV even if you're watching alone? Uh, only when I'm cursing Kale and Tom, which uh, <laughs> didn't which, happen much which, on the weekend. Which was know. quite frequent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, um, I'm going to do a little bit before we end the third quarter of uh, Pump Them Up, Throw Them Under. Job, you get to choose whether you want a question about pumping somebody up mm-hmm. or throwing them under the bus. Okay. Um, we'll actually go around so everybody can play, but we'll start with you, Job. Do you want to pump somebody up or throw them under? I'm happy to throw someone under the bus. <laughs> I'm, you, I'm you, retiring. You, you would <laughs> Which player gives the worst pep talks? You're not allowed to say yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I was excellent at them. Um, Did you ever struggle knowing that you had to give a pep talk to find something new to say that you hadn't already said? Well, apparently I had quite a, a, a tick um, that I used to do. I used to always clench my fist and, and slap it into my the palm of my other hand. And they, I never realized this until the guys started laughing when they saw it. And then I caught them looking at each other and, and I lost my train of thought. So um, that was one of the ticks that I used to used to have. I think that's something that all great leaders have. Though. There's, <laughs> I, I remember Obama's was always like the thumb on the, the top of the, of the finger. T- yeah, and yeah. once you'd noticed it, you would notice it time and time again. Yeah. So I guess he was a powerful move until the boys all clocked onto it and then it just became funny. Yeah. One sticks in my mind. Though, oh, yes. Talks What's that, mate? Was it the Fremantle game? Do you remember? I think we were playing West Coast. West Coast. Yeah. West Coast. I don't know if you want to. You well, to... I gave one of my best speeches um, before a game uh, against West Coast. We were over there um, playing it towards the end of the year, and we needed to win to make finals. Uh, and we were six goals down at quarter time um, after my pep, court, pep talk. Uh, after your pre-game. After my pre-game yeah. te- uh, pep talk. Didn't quite hit the spot that Didn't one. Didn't hit the spot. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Welsh was, uh, he was knocked out. Uh, I got knocked out. And then we were both on the, um, both concussed talking to each other on the bench and, uh, neither of us were making any sense at all. I asked, uh, the coaches at the time who was, uh, which was Hurdy, I told him, um, to put me on and I'll kick five in the last quarter and we'll win the game. <laughs> and then when they said that we're not, I said, tell Sheeds to put me on and I'm going to kick five <laughs> in the last quarter. <laughs> um, I assume you didn't play again for the match no, and you did not get the five goals in the no, last quarter. No, it didn't happen. 
<laughs> uh, all right, Tom, we'll move to you. Do you want to pump somebody up or throw them under? I'll pump someone up. Same question, but reverse. Who gives the best pep talks at the club? The best. As a player? I'd probably say, I have to say Hep because Hep gives pep talks every week, you know, pre-game and that kind of thing. And Hooksy and I were actually speaking about today. His one on the weekend was pretty good. You know, we were saying yeah, that it'd be difficult to basically what we were just talking about to come up with something new every week. I thought Hep's on the weekend was pretty good, so I'll give him a pump up there. But it must be a tough school. Well, obviously Joe mastered yeah. it, but to come up with something all the time on the spot, it must be uh, difficult at times. Heavy weighs the crown. How do they <laughs> choose? How do you choose if it's not going to be the captain for somebody else to give a pep talk, or can? You know, when you're in that huddle pre-game, can somebody just step up and go, Anyone I, can. I feel like it at the moment. Anyone mm. can, but yeah, it's, it's generally the captain. That, it's the it's probably easier in the heat of the moment if you're feeling something to say it, whereas it could probably be harder if you've got to force it and sort of think of something on the spot. So have you ever seen someone you weren't expecting to speak all of a sudden step into the middle and start giving a pep talk? I think it happens. It happens on game day mm. at the breaks, but yeah, you don't see it as much in no, team It's meetings. quite nice though when someone does. I remember mm. Paddy Ryder, who was a pretty quiet sort of guy. He, at one stage, we were, I think it was a three-quarter time or something, and he got everyone in and said, and when that happens, you, you sort of think, oh, you know, everyone's invested and they know and meaning a lot to everyone. And it's a sign of a good side, I think. Yeah, it's a, I imagine it'd be effective on its own just because somebody who's not usually talking stands up to talk. Mm, so exactly. you, Tom and Cal, you guys don't give too many halftime speeches or anything? I spray the mids out in the ground most <laughs> most games, but that's, that's, just, that's just a general feedback. Kale, do you want to pump? pretty good at it, too. I'll sneak a few in. Yeah. Here and there, I'll sneak it in. Do you want to pump someone up or throw them under? I'll pump someone up as well. Best trick shots. Have you seen any guys at the club doing trick shots from the boundary? Or... Are you setting up Dyson Hevel here with his poo trick shots <laughs> on the social media? Because they're not the best ones. <laughs> the best trick shots, I mean, it'd have to be Walla, uh, McDonald, Tip and Woody. He's amazing. His skill level, he goes, stands behind the boundary and kicks goals from uh, where the crowd watch the game. And he, he's pretty special out there. And that goal he kicked, I think it was against Collingwood, was it? Where he was through the legs and then he ended up kicking it right on the goal. Uh, he's, he's pretty impressive. That was a moment where I was just glad to be out on the ground watching the game with him. So do you see guys at training, practicing those kind of shots? Connor McKenna. Yeah, the Irishman. Yeah, the yeah. Irishman. Obviously grew up with the round ball over there. He's um he's pretty freakish what he can do with the ball as well. Even pre game on the weekend, I was just kicking the footy with him out there on the ground, and he did he did a few tricks, and I just I didn't even try obviously, but yeah, he's uh he's pretty freakish. Joe, do you want to pump someone up or throw him under? Well, I, I should pump uh, I should pump someone up now. I've thrown someone under. Who's mature for their age? Oh. I guess some of the young guys. Um, I'm classified as a young guy. Also. Are you still young, are you? I'm still young. Yeah, you're under 30, so I consider you young. Uh, I wouldn't consider you mature, but uh, Andy McGrath is obviously a standout. He's uh, the sort of guy that uh, I think anyone would be happy to uh, let their daughter marry. Um, but they actually they don't have a daughter, do you? No, I don't. No, no, sister? No. Uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got three sisters. So you'd have no problems with your sister yeah. marrying Andy. No, no problems at all. You two, on the other hand, oh, wouldn't want you anywhere near. They're anywhere near. Why? That's, that's not fair. So he would. The the young guys are all very impressive this year. Uh, we've got a really good group. Um, no no real bra- uh, rat bags, but probably Andy's the, the standout. Tom, you want to throw someone under or pump them up? Throw them under. Who's always late? Who's always late? Oh. Good question. Or has that anyone been famously late at the wrong time? I've got a good oh, one. There's for this, a good one. Yeah, a really good one. And he's sitting in the studio. 
No, it's not me. Oh, Job at the Job, tent. At the yeah, tent. Yeah, you can tell that story. I'm not. Well, yeah. Job had this, this big. This wasn't the one. I was he, he gave a big speech the day before about punctuality and about professionalism <laughs> and how important the season was. And then he picks up. He was living with Aaron Francis, and we're we're waiting to run at the tent. And Job's not there, and Aaron's not there either. And we think something must have happened to Job, obviously, because he's never late. Anyway, he was waiting for a coffee. So him and Aaron are waiting for coffees and their coffees are late. So they turn up with two coffees in their hand, late to training. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> What's your story? What are you going? Well, we uh, we got called, this is when I was younger, we got called in uh, to a, a meeting, an emergency meeting. This was around the time of 2007. So uh, it was a lot of conjecture about whether sheets would go on or not. And we got called in uh, for a 12 o'clock special meeting for the club to announce that um, they weren't going to renew uh, Kevin's contract. And so, did you know that that's what it was about? No, we didn't know beforehand. In? So th- this had been, uh, I think, 27 years. So icon of the game mm-hmm. and, and of the club. Angus Monfrey sleeps in. <laughs> <laughs> we had weights in the morning. He went home, had to sleep, missed the meeting. <laughs> Arrived. Well, what's, what's happened? <laughs> I guess on the bright side, he can't get reprimanded by the coach. The That's true. <laughs> Moving into the last quarter, Job, we'd like to look ahead at the next game. And, of course, we've got Fremantle on Sunday at Etihad. I'm going to ask you a few questions about uh, Frio and see how well you know your opposition in a segment we're calling Know Your Enemy. Before we get into the questions, Fremantle obviously got thumped uh, on the weekend by Richmond. Does it make it hard going into a game with it when a team gets killed by so much? What is difficult is the last round of the year. That because players know that this is their last effort for however long it's going to be. Uh, it's much like the first round. There's some real anom- anomalies about how teams perform and how they play, and so that's something that is really um, that you have to be mindful of. Is that the team that you're playing? Uh, hopefully, we're, we're looking to finals, but for them, it's their last game, and there seems to be that extra effort that that is given. What do you think of their new ruckman, Sean Darcy, and they're calling him Hordor? Does that ski, Tom? <laughs> We actually got suspended, so he's out for a week. Oh, is he not playing on the weekend? <laughs> yeah, he got suspended. We've got our own Hodor as well, don't we? Fridge. Fridgey, fridge, yeah. Fridge. Yeah, just... they mentioned that on the telecast yeah. on Saturday night. Why double nicknames? I'm actually not not too sure about this Hodor yeah. one. I, didn't... I think it, Yeah, Fridge is uh, uh, from the physical... I'm not, uh, I'm not a Game of Thrones So this is Josh no, Begley. He Josh played Begley. his first game on Saturday night. Really impressed in his first game. Mm. And... I know you guys last week were calling him the fridge. Yeah. But is it Game of Thrones? Is Hodor? Yeah, Hodor's yeah. the Game of Thrones yeah. character. I think people think that he looks a little bit like Hodor, which is not a compliment. Right. <laughs> I'm not, I don't actually watch Game of Thrones, so I, as you can probably yeah, tell, because I didn't even yeah. pronounce it right. Here we go, Fremantle. I'll ask you three, or I've got even four questions about uh, Freo, and you can just work as a team to get them right. Mm-hmm. How did Fremantle select Nat Fife as captain? Team vote, I'm going to say. Player vote. Player vote. I'd never heard of that. So players vote five, four, three, two, one of different players they want as captain. Is that right? Yeah. We when when we did it, it was a dictatorship. So I just said that I'm going to be captain. <laughs> <laughs> and as every ro- year rolled around, you said, "Hey, guess what? It's going to be me." Again. And anyone that wasn't happy with that so just later. disappeared. <laughs> we didn't see them off the, off the list. <laughs> <laughs> More um, of an authoritarian style. What do you think of that? How do you think it would go down at Essendon? 
Well, I think we actually do have a vote. Yeah, um, yeah we've got a similar As much system. as we mess around, yeah. So we do vote and, and that counts towards the captaincy and the coaches look at that and make the decision from there. All right, so it's sort of like this half plebiscite postal vote they're having at the moment. Like you vote, <laughs> yeah. but they just make their own yeah, decision. Yeah, decision. <laughs> right. so, so at least we feel like we voted. Yeah, it feels, right. like, feels like it's a democracy. Yeah. <laughs> and is that the same for the leadership team there? You get voted into the leadership group? Well, maybe we've discovered something. Maybe that's what really happens, what Job's saying. They just choose it. And it doesn't even matter. That's why I, I take the paper slips when you write the <laughs> names down and then the address results magically appear. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the older brother, Brad or Stephen Hill? Uh, Stephen. Yeah, I'm going to go Stephen. They both, these boys are going Stephen, I'm Stephen as well. <laughs> yeah, correct. He's 27 versus his younger brother, Brad, is 24. Josh Hill at West Coast is their second cousin. Do you think Josh or Stephen's older? I'm going to say Josh. I'll agree with Thomas. Josh is 28. Correct. Well done. Thank you. Name three players who moved from Essendon to Fremantle. And I only really started this list after 2005. So don't go back to the 90s because I don't have all the names. Todd Ridley. uh, (laughs) Derek Kickett. (laughs) But interestingly enough, I... Tony Delaney. (laughs) I read that of those picks that they... uh, Of those players that went to Fremantle... The, some of the picks they got uh, resulted in Matthew Lloyd and Scott Lucas. So we got a very good bounce from that. But I think no. they took the balaclavas off after they <laughs> finished the trade, not before. <laughs> got to be post-2005 from the uh, list I've got in front of me. I'm going to say the opposition coach from the weekend, Dean Solomon. Correct. Kepler Bradley. Correct. Uh, and I think, well, technically he came from Fremantle to Western, but they went back to Fremantle, Adam McPhee. I'll accept it. Uh-huh. Thank you. Mark Johnson, I would have also accepted, and Scott Gumbleton, even though he oh, didn't Gumbleton. play a game oh, at Freo. Yeah. He'll be he disappointed we he didn't will. give him a We already gave him a mention earlier on in the podcast. <laughs> he, he will be listening yeah. as well. So. Yeah. He's spe- an avid, avid listener of Hard Tag, he told me. <laughs> Is that true? Because we'd love to know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, last question is... And maybe we'll do this for every week as well. I mean, this is the last game of the season, but hopefully we play more. Um, number six. So who is of your personal number, who is the opposing player on for Fremantle? So, of course, Job number four. Who's number four at Freo? Uh, the big ruckman, Darcy. Correct. Darcy who? <laughs> Mr. Darcy. <laughs> Sean Darcy is correct. Yep. I'll pay it. Thank you. Tom, you're number two for Essendon. Who is number two Fremantle Dockers? I'm going to say Brad Hill. Griffin Logue, or it might be Logie. I'm not sure. <laughs> tough. That tough was one. a tough one. Tough that one. Was a tough that one. was a tough one. Cal, do you know who's number 26 at Freo? 26. I don't know. This is a tough one. I know Kepler Bradley was when he played for Freo. We're not talking retrospective now. <laughs> Chris Mayne? I know 20. I know it was a chance, but. <laughs> Can you name anyone in the 20s? I think Tabernar might be in the 20s. <laughs> he might be. I don't know. Ed Langdon Ed is Langdon, the correct answer. Ed, he will be disappointed about this. But. I mean, you guys got three out of four questions, so I think you're suitably ready for Freo on the weekend. Brings us to the end of Hard Tag. Job, thank you so much for coming on and being the first ever guest of Hard Tag. No problem. Also, on behalf of fans, because you're retiring this year, we just want to say, or I hope I speak on behalf of fans, and when I say thank you for everything you've given us as a player, you've been a joy to watch, and you're such a likeable figure of the club and you have been for so many years. So thank you so much. Good luck for Sunday's game. 
and hopefully you've still got five games ahead of you and we'll see you at the end of the year in the Premiership. Boys, any parting words? We're even bigger and better next week on the guest, so just wait and wow. see who, we're, who we've got next know. week. That's so Thanks for coming true. on, Luke. You were fantastic. I just said this guest. heartfelt thank you to Job, and I said, that. do you have any more words? And yeah. you didn't even thank you for being here. You just said, we've got someone better, better, someone better next week. <laughs> this, is why, we, this is why I can't, this, this I can't is, wait to get out of the door. <laughs> this is how we run on the hard <laughs> No, Thanks for coming on, Job. Fantastic. Thank you very much.